Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 184. This episode is with two guests. I welcome onto the podcast for this episode, performance coaches John Noonan and Josh Fletcher. They're also the founders of the Family Fulfillment and Finance Model um, with a great resource available out there, which I'm sure you've come across over on social media and I've been lucky enough to actually read through the product that they've created and there's some brilliant work gone into it. If you are a coach that is possibly at a crossroads within your career, not quite sure where you want to go next or just simply want to get a little bit of uh, feedback or experience from other coaches on their career path, this podcast is for you because we're going to discuss the FFF model, where the idea came from, so family fulfillment and finance. We're going to talk about some lessons and feedback that the lads have got from uh, the valued living questionnaire that is part of the model. Um, so some of the people that have been through that already, how well these patterns align with the jobs that are available, the roles that are available out there. And then we discuss about how um, certain job roles could or should adapt to find a better FFF balance. Um, we, we talk about survivors, thrivers and redefiners, which is something that Josh touches on. And then we also cover some personal experiences from both John and Josh about their uh, transition through that model as well. So loads of great information in this one. And you can also go and check out the product that they've created. They mentioned the uh, websites available and we'll also post them in the show notes as well. Now, just before we get into the episode, I've just got a very quick announcement, both good and bad, about our next networking event. So unfortunately, David Ridings has had to pull out of the event. I say unfortunately, it's fortunate for Liverpool fans because it clashes with Liverpool's next Champions League fixture, which I'm sure you'll be delighted with. Um, But we have managed to get not one, but two brilliant replacements for David. Firstly, I'm delighted to say that Dr. Matt Taberner is going to be joining us for a Q&A at the end of the event. So Matt appeared on episode 100 of the podcast. I'm sure many people know of his work. He's recently been over in the NBA. He was at Everton. Um, so he's going to be joining us, which I'm absolutely made up with. Uh, can't wait to see Matt. And if you have got any questions for Matt that you want to send over in front over for the Q&A then send them over to mail at footballfitfed.com and then we've also um, I'm delighted to say that Christian Fernandez um, he's recently had roles at Hull City, Newcastle United and Everton as rehab fitness coach has agreed to come and present for us so not only are we going to have Dr Lee Harrington, Dr Matt Taberner but also now Christian Fernandez is now going to be joining us. So there are still tickets available. We are a week away as this podcast goes out. Um, there are tickets available. Go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab and get your ticket there to come and watch all the guys present um, and get some questions in for Matt Taberner as well. Now, just finally, before we get into the episode, I've just got to say a huge thank you to our sponsors. First of all, Black Box Fitness. Black Box are the world's best training equipment, accessory and apparel brand. Black Box believes that training isn't just a checkbox on your to-do list. Training is a lifestyle, continually seeking your highest performance in the gym, on the pitch, at home and in everyday life. 
to perform at your best, you need the best and Blackbox has you covered. So go and check them out on social media at BLK Box Fitness. And also huge thank you to Rezzle. Rezzle is the world's leading cognitive training platform for sport. By using VR technology, Rezzle and Player 22 can create game style scenarios and recreate pressure to help you prepare for the real thing. And then also big, big thank you to Hytro. Have you tried Hytro? The wearable blood flow restriction solution that is unlocking better recovery in players while many may have used BFR for rehab, Hytro are demonstrating the huge impact BFR can have on recovery and performance when used after competition or training. Through their innovative design, BFR straps are integrated into shorts, delivering PF- BFR to groups of players safely and more conveniently than ever before. Check them out at hytro.com or email Warren at hytro.com to find out how hytro can help accelerate the recovery of your athletes so go and check out hytro uh, Rezzle and black box and a huge thank you to them for sponsoring our podcast let's get into it now episode 184 with performance coaches john noonan and josh fletcher Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 184. I'm delighted to be joined by two guests today. I'm joined by Josh Fletcher and John Noonan. Lads, how are we? Good, thank you. Nice to be here. Very good, mate. Good to see you again. Yeah, it certainly is. Thank you very much for coming on. I've been looking forward to this one. Um, We've had this in the the books for a fair few weeks. I'm looking forward to dive into this. Um, But in traditional podcast fashion should we go for a little bit of backgrounds and just get some ideas on who we're speaking to today and then we can get into some of the nitty-gritty so Josh do you want to start off mate do you want to give, give us a little bit of background on yourself um and then we'll also get into some stuff you're currently doing as well yeah sure so I'm originally from the Bristol sort of area, coming from a large family always been kind of the tear away of the family I suppose you'd say um and I have always wanted to travel and move around the world and just do weird and wacky things. Um, I've had this vision of having a grandkid sat on my knee bouncing up and down when I tell them all these different stories about places I've been and things I've done. So I've designed and created my career path to fit in line with that. And I got into kind of SNC quite late and uh, about 26, 27. Uh, prior to that, I was personal training and kind of filling. Um, trying to learn as much as I possibly could from from that until I got to the point where I mistakenly thought that athletes were more motivated than uh, the general public and that was the path that I wanted to uh, that wanted to travel down so anyway long story short I've worked in pro rugby uh, went out to India worked with wrestling worked as the head of the boxing program there also worked in with their football club with their Bangalore FC then I moved to Romania to work with the special forces out there with Exos. Oh, I jumped the EIS part. I did Olympic sport and, pro, and um, Paralympic sport with EIS for three and a half years as well. Then I, so after my three and a half years in Romania, I moved to France. I now live in Lyon and I work with Formula 3 driver through a company called Hintzo, which John also works for as well. And I did um, Formula 2 last year with a, with a 
with a Russian driver. This year, my driver's Mexican. So yeah, I've got a nice mix of places, countries, and I'm certainly um, fulfilling one of my kind of values and goals, which is to my life, my path and create it how I've wanted it really. So that's uh, me in a nutshell. Brilliant. And John, what about yourself? Uh, I think like Josh done a lot and seen a lot and managed to fit a lot into a short amount of time, really. Um, entry into the industry was, I guess, somewhat of a traditional route, working as a, a fitness instructor, PT in gyms and kind of, not to be too derogatory, got bored of saying, eat less chips and more salad and you know be more active. And that was all fine, but I wanted to challenge myself a bit more in the athlete space and the pro domain. So managed after a number of internships to get on the ladder and uh, worked in pro football, a number of clubs, pro rugby in both codes, uh, winter Olympic sports, and um, have been since then kind of started to work privately alongside a full-time role that I had again in, in, in um, Premier League football. And um, yeah, incredibly passionate about what I do. I love what I do. And well, since being married and now having three children, it, um, you know, life has somewhat taken a, a bit more of a, I'm thinking sustainable rather than intensity, if you kind of compare the two of those. And I'm thinking about how do I continue to enjoy and thrive in what I do whilst developing and also being the husband, the father um, that I want to be. So I'm thinking a bit more broadly, a bit more holistically right now. And, and right now, like Josh was saying, I work as a performance coach through Hints of Performance. also have my own company in NunaPerformance.com where I support uh, largely individuals, but some some teams and corporate individuals as well to perform at their best. Brilliant. Now, I want to get into um, the FFF model in a second. But just on that, you just mentioned about, John, obviously having having kids. Josh, I know you have as well, and, and I have too, so it's like daddy daycare on here at the moment. <laughs> um, but for you both, do you feel that that was a time, and maybe we'll get into this throughout the podcast, do you think that was a time in your career that that really changed your perspective? John sort of touched on it a little bit there, but Josh, what do you think when, when you have when you have kids? Do you think that's a time where you, maybe your perspective on things changes a little bit in terms of your career? Yeah, I, I think it does. For, it, for me personally, it did not, because I'd always established that I wanted financial freedom. And in order to do that, I had to create certain things. Um, and I've always known that I didn't always want to be uh, working day in, day out, getting up at the after clock for, for the whole of my career. I knew I didn't want to do that. So I knew that there was a pathway and a model you need to create and having a child just kind of slotted into that model that I'd already you know, considered for myself. And I was lucky that I got kind of involved in John's model and thought process on this quite early on. So um, I, I was fully bought in. I always knew I wanted kids, but um, yeah, I was, I was fully bought in. But I can absolutely see that being a parent practitioner is, um, or even considering to become a parent practitioner with the frailties and the lack of security in our industry is huge. And, and that's part and parcel of why we created this model. Um, and we created a model so that people can not only um not only survive as a parent practitioner but thrive um and it's actually one of the products that my company career blueprint is going to be creating in the next few months it's how to thrive as a parent practitioner so yeah it's it's massive massive shifts for people real and john can you give us a little bit of background then on where the idea came from and how that sort of came into into fruition really mm. it it was very much born out of challenge 
and, and, and from at the time, having an experience that was definitely against the grain of what I'd planned. I was someone that for many years, I guess, and hopefully there's a lot of people that could uh, relate to this listening. I was all in on the industry, you know, working all the hours, committed to continual CPD, um, very, very comfortable with the idea that my career was my life. Um, and in some respects, I can definitely see how that within me and in other people becomes your identity to some extent as well, which is quite a dangerous place to be, I think. You know, when you, uh, when you maybe get, Josh uses the term shit canned a lot, and, uh, or, or you have setbacks or, or you don't necessarily hit you know, the, the levels and, and the progression in your career path that you're searching for. And um, all I was thinking about was, was having a really successful and sustainable career in performance sport, working at the highest level. And um, my, not that my wife had other ideas, but certainly when you, you, you choose to share that life with somebody else, you start thinking a bit less selfishly and a bit more about, okay, what do we want to achieve? And of course, children were on the agenda. And at the time I was working in pro rugby league, and it was a challenging environment anyway. There was, there was no uh, question about that. However, having our first child last at the club made me really reflect on the decisions that I'd made in my life to date. And if I continue to hit play on the same type of, of decisions, like job-focused decisions, decisions versus personal and values and lifestyle-focused decisions, it was only going to go one way, and that was going to be conflict for me and unhappiness. So it was really out of challenge that um, I fell upon, right, if I'm going to pick the next job, what will that look like? What are the three key things that, that I really need to, to tick all the boxes for me and keep me going? And that was, number one, family. I need to spend more time with the family. Um, and I need to be in an environment that understands that and allows me to be the father that, and the, the, the husband that I, I want to become. I wanted to continue to be fulfilled in my work, and that meant to continue to develop professionally, and personally, and work in environments with people and on projects that excited me. And the last thing was, was finance. There's no mistake that in our industry, um, there's a lot of conversation around being overworked and underpaid and feeling undervalued. And, um, you know, by and large, if, you, if you're good, you, you, you can get to some good highs. But I was looking at the sustainability of the work in to the return financially and thought, I'm not too comfortable with that. And I think I'm worth more. And I don't think it's too much of an ego to say that. I think we should always challenge and what we feel our worth is and, and challenge other people in that context. And, and I decided to start to do that. Um, I actually moved into a role that did allow me to see the family a bit more, had a bit more balance, but it wasn't enough. And that's when, and this isn't for everyone, and, and I'm not saying do this or follow the path that Josh and I have taken, but I decided to go, go it alone in, in 2019 after a few years of sat kind of on the periphery of the idea. And, and I've since um, you know, formed a, a way of working in a, a profession that is, is fitting around exactly what I want um uh, selfishly absolutely selfishly and and i couldn't be happier for it if i'm honest with you so yeah it was very much that but you know i guess where josh comes in really is that he and i had a lot of synergies in our own experience and felt that our problems echoed throughout the industry and being quite passionate about looking back and trying to make better decisions that enable people to have better health wealth happiness stronger relationships based on you know quality love and not getting stuck in the same way that we had or still continue to do in some respects, but have a model that allows you to make some informed decisions uh, against a framework that is bespoke to somebody that um, yeah, is truly valuable. And Josh, John mentioned about um, practitioners and, and himself, and I'm sure we've all done something similar, like early in your career, having this identity of being just stuck in that cycle of CPD and constantly trying to chase the next sort of role. 
do you, and I've spoken to John about this before, but do you feel like practitioners kind of have to go through that? Or do you feel like it just needs more education that, of people like yourselves speaking to these younger practitioners to say, this is a lot, a lot of people get caught up in as the, whatever we call it, the rat race or whatever it is. And do we need to break out of that earlier? Yeah, I fundamentally believe we do. Uh, and I think the more experienced practitioners, the bigger the name is, the, the, the more the message is spread at the, like all the way down to that grassroots level, the, the more likely it is to happen. Um, but the more likely that message is to resonate and get on and people to actually get on board with it. But it, it's a little bit like an athlete. So you get, you get very few of those young athletes who are truly 100% buy into the structure of not burning yourself out, not working yourself so hard and overtraining. Like most of them will have to experience it at one point or another. The ones who don't, that's the guys who have that really, really linear progression and they create sustainability for themselves. Uh, but they have to be educated on that. That doesn't happen by chance. And I see it as being exactly the same. Um, one thing that John mentioned in, is that the reason why this actually got turned into a product that we, that we sell is because I spoke to John a long time ago, maybe three, four, possibly even five years. And I said, what, what is it you do? We just have this dialogue. And he said, to, he, he bases things off family fulfillment and finance. And I was like, okay. We started speaking about it and then I took it on board and I started using that model with myself. And then he'd already been using it with some of his mentees. And I started spreading it around some people that I was working with. And before you know it, people were feeding back saying, this is really, really good because people don't know how. They don't know how to make decisions which are in line with values, not logos. They don't know how to make decisions and create uh, sustainability for themselves when they're so focused on their ego, the grass being greener and, you know, a couple grand extra. So what we're trying to do is like really take those blinkers off. And the earlier you can take your blinkers off in your career or your life, the, the greater chance, like it's almost like the higher your pyramid can go and the, the broader you can go as well. You become limitless really. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've seen the products and that I said to, well, I spoke to John about it. And I think it's so crucial for young coaches to consider some of this because we don't do it. But like the value, even values, taking our values, if you ask a lot of coaches what their values are, I don't think they'd be able to answer the question. Um, or maybe they've not had time to reflect on it or even had that question posed to them. So I think that alone is so important, isn't it, John? Like in terms of people to reflect on. Definitely. I mean, to your point there, ignorance is bliss until it's not, isn't it? And um, when, you know, if, if, we, if we're thinking openly and honestly about the journey that we've been through, if you asked me at 21 years of age or before I was 25, are, you know, are you making moves with the next 10 years in mind? I wasn't because you are hamstrung or you're acutely aware, for, for a better phrase, of the pressures you're under to get, to get bums on seats in jobs because of su supply demand. It's an incredibly competitive industry. Um, you need to be continually demonstrating your self-worth, getting experience at the coal face. And whilst you're doing that, all you're thinking about is, oh, there's an opportunity that's popped up. I'll throw my hand in there. So you're just trying to get on the ladder a little bit like that housing market. And, um, mm. you know, you probably take a few knocks along the way too, but all you're bothered about is just getting your bum on a seat. And that's absolutely fine because that's what, that's what you should be focused on. It You know, it's, it's applying the skills, the competencies and knowledge that you've spent so long and so much money on acquiring at university to get in a position where you go, I've made it, I've done it. 
and I'm, I'm now doing what I'm passionate about. I'm doing what I told myself I was going to work for over these three, four, five years, whatever it is you've done for studies. Um, but it's relentless. And it's only until you realize that it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to follow the dogma of, you know, getting lost in a career rather than thinking about, does this career really serve me as a person? Does it serve my lifestyle? You know, one of the things that Josh and I often speak to, speak about now, sorry, with the work that we're doing is when you're working with a high-end performer and that performer has conflict and you, you can see that come through in some of their mindset or the behavioral styles and, uh, and behaviors that we see trackside, it's to try and help someone become a little bit more self-aware and, and ask them, do you really know why you do what you do in that respect or, or how you do what you do in that way? Have you considered that if you're able to define what are your real values rather than is your self-worth determined just by where you finish on the grid or if you're on the podium or not that week, it's asking them at the long game, what is it you're about? Are you in control mentally? Um, do you know what you're about emotionally? And can you shift from that place? Because if you can't, you are a passenger to the outcomes. And I think for coaches, one of the key key messages that perhaps, and I know Josh, you, you probably can add to this as well, that I wish I'd had or been encouraged to think about is, what is the end game, John? Is it just bums on seats? Is it just Premier League? Because if it is just that, when you get to that point, you know, we hear this in many spaces, don't we? You're going to be pretty disappointed because you're not going to be that satisfied with just that. So create an end game that's bigger than you, bigger than the opportunities that you're seeking today. But pick an end game that is sustainable, that ticks all the boxes, like Josh talks about uh, adventure and creativity. And I talk about family fulfillment and finance. And the, the one and the same is bespoke, but make sure you're making decisions or at least you're being challenged to make decisions that are aligned to who you are, who you want to be, um, and that you have a team, a trusted team around you as well that can help you get in those sorts of positions through honest and open conversations. And the framework that we're talking about in the Triple F model is one that hopefully can enable people to think a little bit more self-critically, become more aware about their own limitations personally as well as professionally, and start to acquire information or through conversations that enable you to, to do it better, right? So you're not worried about the, oh, I have to be a passenger to the overworked, underpaid, and undervalued. That's just what this is. It, it should never be about, about accepting that, really. There's, there's a couple of things that I'll add to this. Um, the first one is, uh, I, I use a military term, which is left of bang. So that, that's if there's an explosion, there's a firefight, there's a catastrophic event, then what the military will do is they'll look at that event and say, right, what happened just before? And what happened in the build up to that? And then they will look at that and they will create what they call standard operating procedures in order to mitigate it happening again or to reduce the impact of or the severity of it. And I don't know a single practitioner in our industry who doesn't have a bang coming at some point. And that bang could be burnout. That bang could be getting shit canned, as I like to call it, which is getting sacked, fired, released, asked to uh, reapply for your own job, not getting it, uh, being strung along. You name it. It's happened to most of us. Uh, and you can get left of that bang because that bang is coming. So if anyone's listening to this, don't be under the illusion that that bang isn't coming. It could be burnout. It could be something physical, mental, uh, or it could just be that you're getting absolute diminishing returns on your relationships and in your job that you don't realize that you're not offering what you were before. 
So it will come at some point. So getting left a bang is, is, is really, really important. So that's, that's something that I would definitely add to, to what John's saying there. Yeah, and just on that as well, like if we're going to relate it to like players or athletes, this is stuff that we do with them all the time, isn't it? In terms of looking at where they want to be and where they want to go. So as a, as a coach or a practitioner, it seems daft that we don't. Yeah, it, it, for me, this is, there's two things that will absolutely open your, they're your unfair advantage, in my opinion. There's two things, and one of them is networking, and the other one is career periodization. But if we wanted to add a third one in there, it would be understanding yourself and what you actually want. Like We don't spend enough time doing that. So if we talk about career periodization, we all understand what that word is. But why do we not apply those exact same principles of physical qualities? Why don't we cut out the physical qualities for practitioners and put in core competencies of the industry? And then we build out a quadrennial plan for them the same way we would an Olympic athlete. And then we build a macro plan the same way that we would for a team sport player. We, we don't do it. And that's a massive error on, on our part. So guess what? We're filling the gap. That's something that we're going to do. But in, in terms of truly understanding what's happening when i when i asked when i gave the left of bang example i i did so because it's going to come to a point where something's going to happen and you want to be armed with the skills as early in your career as you possibly can so i'll use myself as an example i'll tell my story a little bit so i was exactly like john was i was head down i was a hundred percent i won't say committed i'll say obsessive obsessed to the point of i can't remember anything positive happening in my social life between the ages of 26 and 31 now that's not because there weren't positive things happening it's because i was just so driven and dedicated towards what i wanted to achieve i cast everything aside and then the industry does what the industry does you come across a character you don't gel with or you're not in the right space to be able to adapt your communication styles something starts to go downhill and that bang happens. And the result of that bang for me was absolute massive burnout. And I remember sitting on a beach in the off season, like absolutely distraught and just saying, I don't want, I don't want my life to be like this. Uh, this isn't what I signed. I, I don't love this anymore. It's not what I signed up for. It's not what I want. And this isn't okay. I, I was physically, mentally, emotionally shot. And all I could see, despite being in this beautiful place, all I could see was work, work, work. And that's not all right. That's, that's absolutely abnormal. So when I sat on that beach, I made some decisions that my life isn't going to be like this anymore. Within three weeks, I had three job interviews in three different countries. Within four weeks, I had three job offers. Within six weeks, I was on a plane to bloody India. So I, I straight up ran away. I just thought, right, I'm done with this because... I realize now looking back and another reason why this model resonated with me so much is because I made those decisions in line with what my values are and my values relate to growth. They re relate to adventure and challenge and they relate to my life, my path, none of which I was doing previously. And your values can be whatever you choose them to be. But if you're not making decisions in line with your values, then you are going to have a bang. I can absolutely promise you that there will be all three of us on this call will agree and it's 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 just going to happen so as soon as you can establish some values they're like your bumpers at the bowling alley and all i ever wanted to do was 
work for a rugby club on the south coast of France as the head of SNC. That's all I wanted to do. And when I sat on that beach, somehow, instead of my blinkers being here, they completely removed. I end up going to India, working with boxing, wrestling and football. I then go to work with the special forces. I then move on to work in Formula 2 racing and now Formula 3. Without any of that, without taking those blinkers off, without re-engaging with my values, I would never be where I am. I'd be still chasing the next logo, the next logo, the next logo. So I opened up all this opportunity for happiness, health and wealth. Um, that's just my story. Everybody's different and my values led me down that pathway. And I've never, every time I made a bad decision, I've made it because I wasn't making it in line with a really defined set of values. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our online community. And it still amazes me, all the coaches that join the community from right across the football world. We've had coaches from over in England um, joining recently. So Oxford United, Crawley, Aston Villa Women, Burton Albion, Bournemouth, Everton, loads of clubs over here and practitioners joining the community but also from abroad as well over in Europe and from Porto Um, we've had teams recently from Switzerland all over the place are joining the community and it's great to see there's loads of information available online presentations webinars interviews videos all available to watch on the community Um, and you can get yourself a free month if you've not done so already you can go to footballfitfed.com click the community tab, sign up there, go for the full, through the full registration. That will give you a month free on the community. And after the free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward as well. And when you become a full-time member, you can get into our WhatsApp group. And there's been some great discussions recently um, about in-season nutrition, some, um, some structuring of Excel spreadsheets, things like that. Loads of great discussions going on in the WhatsApp group as well. So come and join us, connect with practitioners right across the world by joining the Football Fitness Online community, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign up there. Here's part two of the podcast with John Noonan and Josh Fletcher. What's been some early feedback um, from people that have been through the model, used the model, especially from younger coaches? Has there been anything that's, that's been like any trends from younger coaches, John? Well, um, I think Josh has probably got a bit more information on the younger end. I, I've definitely made more of a point of speaking to some like-minded individuals that have been through the stages of career that I've been through. Um, so as Josh calls it, the thrivers and redefiners, I believe, Josh. Um, so guys who are 25 plus, um, and that's part of that's because of the, that's the number of guys around that, guys and girls around that age bracket that I've got in the mentorship right now. And they have found it enlightening, refreshing um unhinging in some respects because it, it does open the pandora's box a little bit you know josh talks there about getting left of the bang and if the bangs it isn't when it's it isn't if it's when and it doesn't necessarily mean you get a setback in your career but it's just an enlightening moment where you go ah i didn't really see that coming and i didn't really figure that actually i wasn't asking the question of how is this career serving me because what i'm worried about really is am i good enough do i have the competencies do I have the hard skills to deliver the success that the environment or the people around me want and need? Am I fulfilling the quota of, of, of hours on the pitch or in the gym? And it's just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And before you know it, you've chewed up 
five to ten years and maybe seen a couple of different uh, clubs, different accents, different tracksuits, but same challenges, if we're honest, and found that you've aged through the experience and you've acquired masses as a professional, but you might not have developed that much as a person. And, and that's not to say that how can you not develop professionally and personally? Of course, you can do both. But if we're talking about having really good emotional, social awareness, critical thinking, um, the ability to communicate effectively, not just sets and reps here, but establishing fundamentally, what are you about? What do you want? And are you in control of that journey? Because more often than not, when you're trying to compete with bums on seats and get into a role because there's a traditional pathway that you're competing with, it's very, very, very easy to get lost in that journey. And, and as I said, arrive 10 years down the line and go, I'm kind of not willing to do another 10 years of this because I don't have a great social life. I've had, I, I did, I, I'd filled relationships because I'd given at the time more to the job than, than, than the partner. And unsurprisingly, the relationship suffered. I looked at you know, one of the things that I really want to achieve down the line was to be um, a senior SNC coach at England Rugby. And I didn't fulfill that target because I then realized quite early on in my career when I attended one of the uh, annual days, annual conference days, looked around the room. And at the time, this was perhaps in 2011, could have been 10, 90% of the room were, were male. And of that, a large majority were single and or divorced and thought, ah, this is... <laughs> This is, this is the outcome that I'm staring at, is it? I don't know if I want that because I do want to get married. I do want to have children. And, and look, there are many, many people out there making it work. Credit to you. And if you have a balance there that really fulfills you and you're excited about it, you have a family, fantastic, more power to you. But for me, at least, the terms with which I was giving my time, my value for what I was getting back in return, it didn't necessarily suit me. And I decided to look at roles and opportunities and ways of working that would give me the balance I so desired. Uh, and then I you know, eventually went self-employed, but it all came down to establishing what my values were. Because when you understand that, you understand what your heading is. You've got to know where you are in order for you to know where you're going in the future and what you really aspire to. And if you can start to make decisions that are congruent with that heading, you're going to find uh, a lot more health, wealth, and happiness. And you're going to be inspired for time to come if you aren't making decisions that are congruent with a lifestyle that you want and a future that excites you, you're probably going to have some internal conflict. And so some of the, I guess, the, the critical questions that we ask individuals and we try and ask through the model is to um, encourage folks to be really open or honest, self-critical and, um, and define what is important to you and, and how, do you, how do you intend to go about getting that? I'll, I'll bolt on to that and <clears throat> frame it in, in terms of the stages of your career. So for me and what we talk about in the, in the model itself is that there are four stages of your career. So there's a breaker, a survivor, a thriver and a redefiner. And there's different characteristics which represent each stage. So they are characteristics. It is a continuum. So it's not locked in stone for everybody. So as an example, I'll give some feedback from those guys as well. So we've had people purchase from each of those categories and different things resonate to each group, depending on where you are. So the breakers are individuals who are just trying to get their first step on the ladder. They're either interning or they're looking to intern. They're looking for that first step. 
They are networking furiously as best they possibly can. They're willing to move pretty much anywhere for an opportunity, for a, for a chance. They are typically between the ages of 21 and 24, uh, somewhere around that ballpark. They are, like I say, willing to move up or down the country. They are willing to work unpaid as well. So that's a breaker. And the, the typical feedback from the breakers is really interesting stuff, actually. A couple of guys said, well, I, I, this, this one part of this model that's not relevant for me. And they said, that's the family. I said, well, replace the word family with, instead of thinking, they were thinking of it as children. And I said, well, replace children with your parents, your siblings, your cousins, your nieces, your nephews, your friends. Ah, oh, okay. All of a sudden, they've totally reframed the model and been able to then go back to it and re-engage. So that was the, that's the first group. Uh, the, the other guys within that, those breakers said, I really need to start thinking about this in a bit more detail. A couple of people actually said, I'm not actually sure if this pathway is for me based on some of the things that you guys are saying. A couple of them said, I'm even more determined now. And this model has just given me more direction to really identify and open my mind to opportunity and, and how to go about achieving it. So that was what the first guy said. The next group is a, a survivor. So a survivor, they've got that first foot on the ladder. They're on that climbing that slippery ladder up and they're looking for that next promotion, that next foot on the um, foot on the ladder, if you like. They are still willing uh, to move around. They're still willing to work ungodly hours for probably not enough money. Um, they are still, they're now probably looking into creating some sort of passive income or just earn a couple extra grand here or there, probably prepared to move the length of the country to achieve that. Very much focused on the industry, very much uh, not focused on, uh, often on, their social lives on creating and being a, a, the best person that they can be. And that group probably be around 24 to 27 would be a typical age bracket. And that group have said, uh, we understand that this is something we really need. And some of them would say, but we have to do what we have to do in order to make our way. And I totally understand that. Yes, you do. But here's what I responded just be doing everything and taking your steps that you take with the understanding that what you're doing right now is a stepping stone. It's a stepping stone for the next job and the next job and the next job. So don't give your soul to a job. Don't give your heart and soul to a job and a logo because you're going to leave that and be forgotten. You're going to leave that and move on, but make sure you're the one that's moving upwards and onwards by making decisions which are right for you about how a job is going to serve you rather than the other way around because that club that badge that logo will just employ somebody else so that started to get people rethinking and reframing how they were making their job decisions so we move on to the next category now which is your thrivers your thrivers are maybe 27 to this can go on for a while 35 36 37 onwards if you choose probably looking for a management position, wanting to take on a bit more responsibility, maybe manage a department, head up a department, challenge themselves a little bit more, starting to realize the industry is not all sunshine and puppy dogs, probably a little bit less interested in working every hour that God sends. They are, again, uh, probably looking at a family now or thinking about starting a family, if that's what they choose to do or they're looking at re redressing their work-life balance. They are probably becoming a bit disillusioned with some of the things that they are asked to do. 
uh, in terms of uh, commitment and getting fed up with the lack of sustainability and a little bit more concerned about uh, job security and probably looking at a mortgage or have a mortgage at this point. So the fear is kind of raising up and rising with regards to finances as well, often looking to or have already created another source of income as well. So those guys have said, wow, this is the push that I needed in order to either make a move, look at a move more critically or open my mind to what I've actually got where I am and how can I stay where I am but add another element onto what I do so what can I kind of scale back in terms of my time commitments to the to not give my heart and soul to this place focus on what is actually moving the moving the needle and refocus my time and attention on creating something for me creating the life and the pathway that I want. They look at their jobs critically. They look at their jobs holistically from a 360 perspective, often getting the feedback from their friends and family as well, which is huge because if you want scaring, then you ask your, you ask your partner for feedback on what they think about you and your working scenario situation, and that will scare the life out of you. So those guys are starting to do that. Then we move on to the, the next phase, which is your redefiners. The redefiners are the guys that just said, you know what, <clears throat> I've always wanted to do this for myself. I've done with, I'm fed up with the industry. I'm fed up with being treated, uh, treated poorly, being not paid enough. I'm fed up with the hours and fed up with all these different things. I'm not about the logos and the badges anymore. Um, or I just want a little bit more autonomy and I want to create my own path. Uh, so those guys typically around that 32, 34, 35 mark uh, plus, and they're looking to go it alone or at least have their side hustle, as people like to call it, raising up so that it can become their primary income at some point. Um, probably working very hard to do that. They are not prepared to move the length of the country for anything that isn't substantial. And they are definitely looking for more sustainability, both financially and in, in life in general. And the feedback from those guys is exactly as John would describe. It is, I wish I had this 10 years ago. And the message is huge and it's clear. It is, this is a game changer because I didn't know half of this stuff. I have not applied half of this stuff. Hence, I've got to 35, 36, 37 and realized my life isn't where I want it to be. I don't have sustainability for my kids. I've cast aside my social life, my social circle for what? an industry which chews you up and spits you out. So that's the, some of the realities of it. And some of those I feel personally as well. So the all, all around it, the, those different phases and stages are pretty representative of everybody that we've spoken to both prior to launching this and kind of off the back of it. Brilliant breakdown, mate, of, of all the stages there. And I think everyone listening now should be really thinking about where they're at. Um, in terms of that transition, I'm sure they will be. John, in terms of if we do have any employers, any people, that, any decision makers that are, that are at clubs, obviously we're talking more about football now, um, with roles, how could or should roles be adapted, do you think, to allow for this balance, this FFF balance? Mm. I think it's very I think it's very difficult to, to frame it as a how 
how could a role or you know an environment be be adapted to to befit the balance that we're talking about? And I think invariably the balance is always in their favour because you know you're a service personnel, right? And the requirement upon you is to deliver a standard of of service that we require to get this team or this individual at the level that's required because that's what we're all signed up for. You signed the contract to demonstrate that you would you would deliver that. And that's what's expected. And that's what's agreed. So it, it is difficult, I think, to change those terms. I have been in environments that have had, let's say, influencers and leaders, like really good leaders versus a manager, really good leaders that have said, what are we doing this year in terms of your personal development? Here are the areas that we feel together you could do better in, in your job. So how are we going to look at CPD or um, opportunities within your role right now to grow those elements and sit and, and equal to that alongside that people are also saying talk to me about what's happening with you personally what, what have you got going on um how's how's things at home um how's your partner how's your kids what are they into they know the names of your children they take great interest in understanding what individual they've got in front of them and they care about the human and not just the professional i think and then uh, parallel to that, there are other environments that don't do that as well. Um, care deeply about the professional end and delivering upon expected uh, outcomes and KPIs, but tend to negate the personal aspect of it. Unsurprisingly, they are the environments that have a high turnover because coaches churn and burn because the, the focus of that culture, that environment is performance wins. I would like to think that there's a number of conversations now and the narrative is moving more toward holistic uh, well-being, holistic performance. Gosh, you know, we're all practicing it as coaches. If you want to pull on the stigma of what you're calling yourself now, John, are you an S&C coach? Are you a performance coach? It, you're trying to think more broadly about what is sustainable because you recognize that winning isn't a one-time thing. It isn't a quarterly thing. It isn't a yearly thing. It's a, if you want to do that successfully again and again and again, you have to have all things uh, lined up and you have to be very very aware about where time is best spent and, and for us as coaches and individuals that is getting down to when you're at home is everything great with you what's going on with you at the moment or uh, you know simply asking are you okay and it's the personal relationships that I think you really you really uh, you really look for and there's some great examples of that I, I had that at Everton for instance in John McKeon fantastic leader because he was just a great person um, and there are other environments that, that don't quite match up to that. But it's about the person that drives the ethos, that drives the culture. And then the individuals can thrive within that. And, you know, there's no mistakes that there are peers around you that also have or look to have a good balance that are encouraged to have side hustles and other things on the side rather than discouraged for doing that and suggesting that, well, surely your time should be spent also on getting better in this job and giving us better output. That is the churn and burn mentality, isn't it? So I think challenging that is really important. And if you are a leader with an opportunity to grow and develop people, for me, absolutely core and front and centre of that is to hopefully be de developing the person and not just the professional. Yeah, I'll, I'll just bolt on to that. Um, you, you alluded to it, John. Wellness is, is bespoke. So it means something different to each one of us. And it means something different to you depending on where you are and your stages and phases of your career. So, for example, if you're a little bit further down the line or you have family, you have kids, being able to drop them off and pick them up is going to be huge for you. 
from school, being able to feed them at, at nighttime, being able to see them before they go to bed, that's huge. Is there a way to alter, manipulate the, the working schedule so that everybody gets to do that at least a certain number of times per week? A uh, really good conversation with Nick Grantham the other day, who spoke about trying to instill um, at Newcastle United, trying to instill um, performance coaches not having to be there on game day. What, what, why do we need to be there? It's a 10-minute warm-up. Like, somebody else can do that. It has to be there. Like a physio or something like they could do that. Why do, why do we have to be there? But then the coaches kicked off when they said, whoa, 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 this is our reward. We work for this. Like, we work all week for this. We want to see the match. So he's like, oh, all right, we'll do what you want to do then. Which then leads me to a conversation I had with Des Ryan when he was in charge of Arsenal Academy. And he said that, he, he was very, very strict. Uh, he sounds like a great leader, but don't cross him. He was very, very strict with his staff. He said, you will work this amount of hours, and that's it. Do not work a single hour over. If you choose to, that's on you. But this is what you're contracted to. This is what my expectations are, and that's it. The door is always open, and they, he, he ensured that he created that environment. And exactly... The, the biggest thing I think anybody could do, employer, manager, you name it, is what does wellness mean to you? Day one, what does wellness mean to you? What, what are your struggles, physically, mentally, whatever? What are your struggles? Where are you weak? Let's sit down. How can I help you? Let's sit down and do a gap analysis. For a breaker, it might be, look, I'm just really focused on my career at the moment. Can you help me map out a CPD structure and plan? Yeah, okay. No problem. Let's put an hour aside this day and then we're going to do one session per week. And he's going to go, wow, I feel valued. I feel wanted. He's helping me grow. Ticking off one of his lifetime values. If someone did that to me, I would have been tick. That's a personal value. It could be someone who's a little bit further down the line. Like I just need to get out and just breathe a little bit every so often. Okay, no worries. We'll go down to the cafe. You do your work in the afternoon on a Tuesday from the cafe. And we know where you are. Let's, I'll give you a call. Just make sure you're there. And you get you knock off at 5 p.m. the same as everyone else. Or it could be that guy like John who wants to put his kids to sleep instead of getting in at 10 o'clock. You know what, John? Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, you come in early, but you leave early so that you can put your kids to bed. And the other two days, we'll see if we can arrange it with the staff. So you do the morning and they do the night. Just chop things around so that you try to make everybody's life as easy as possible. That's that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I think that's really important, isn't it? Because, like you say, it is different for everyone. But the the um, thing behind the structure that Des took as well is at least you know, then, don't you? Like you're setting it out from the start and saying these are your, these are the hours, and you know that. Whereas you're not getting caught up in that whole thing of do I need to stay and look like I'm doing more, and it, that's when it becomes dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, he was, he was, from what he described to me, and it's actually available in the Facebook community that I've got. So people can go and have a look. It's absolute gold. I'm going to try and get, get him back on again, actually. But he was, he was essentially talking about um, creating the environment, laying out your expectations very clearly, but upholding them. Not, I, I wouldn't say like with an iron fist, but you uphold them, both those ones. You should be out the door. Are you, are you sure you want to be here still? all the way through to we agreed that we were going to deliver this standard and I'm not sure if you're delivering that in a moment. Let's talk about how we can get you back on track. So the, the whole spectrum. Lads, I just wanted to wrap things up because I know we're getting close to time, but I wanted to talk about the final F 
the financial side because this is one thing that just isn't well it isn't spoke about in the right way in my opinion because I think coaches get talked away from speaking about money don't they and it's it's not about money I'm not doing it for the money and all the rest of it and then we all we, we all end up at that point where we want that side hustle because we want to earn that bit more. We need to earn that bit more because we've suddenly got the mortgage and the family and all the rest of it. How do we approach this? Because I know a lot of it's going to come back to those discussions earlier on in the career, but in terms of change, changing perspectives, especially I'm talking early on now, but less experienced practitioners. John, what's your thoughts on that about getting, getting coaches to talk about this side? Early on, it's, it's, it's challenging, isn't it? Because um, the, the standards and, and, and bandwidths with which we operate within are largely determined already. And you're very, very aware, I think, as a, as a young up-and-coming SNC who's maybe just stepped into an environment or sub five to ten years of um, being uh, discourteous and unprofessional to start to challenge the money. Or, or ask why it's just at that standard or, or that level of, of remuneration. I absolutely think that you should, and, and it should be done a lot more, and that conversation should be more open. However, I think that the industry, we're still struggling, aren't we, in the position where when a job is advertised, it's maybe 50-50 whether or not the remuneration salary is shown or, or not. And then, um, you know, there's uproar on the social medias off the back of that. So you, you can't win them all from the employment either because you are hamstrung. You know you need to get good practitioners in and you want to pay them well but sometimes you just physically can't that's where maybe the additional let's say um uh, personal uh, opportunities or, or or managerial elements around helping an individual get time elsewhere or get time for themselves like josh was describing maybe how you do that in that environment becomes all the more important because if you know you're taking a bit of a hit financially based on the the exchange for time that you deliver then you want to make sure you're at least developing in other areas. And that might be through the free CPD um, or getting opportunities outside of your own environment with a partnered or a shared environment where you can go and get set of experiences to add to your boat. Um, I think that having done it badly myself as well, when in certain positions and there's, there's I hate the question, what was, what, what were you paid in your last role, John? And you, I shot myself in the foot once and I said, Oh, um, I said what I said and then said oh what would you what would you expect for this role and I just blurted out the same or more and so obviously when the offer letter came through it was the same unsurprisingly <laughs> because they are looking at their margins and their budgets and that's fine because they're there to do business as well I would challenge individuals people to be a bit more prepared and a bit more willing to ask the questions about opportunities for financial growth um bonuses, et cetera, and opportunities to earn more in addition. And then I would also challenge them to think, if you are not being paid what you feel you're worth, number one, you know, because self-worth is subjective or value is a, is a perceptional thing, right? How do you define what your value is? And if the industry is willing to pay its practitioners like done in the UKSA survey, I think in 2016, if the majority of, of folks coming in who are five years or less uh, qualified with an industry cert, you can expect to, I think, uh, receive a, uh, an annual salary of around £20,000. If that is what, what the industry is willing to pay, make your peace with it and still go and get your experience and still choose good environments that 
nurture professional people development and then go and earn on top elsewhere or at least have a plan for what the future might look like for you. Um, and that's what I kind of tried to do. I didn't, I didn't go into an environment without at least an idea of what they may pay. Otherwise I wouldn't have, have put my hand in, the, hand in the mix. Um, but like we were describing earlier, there are absolutely times when you have to get your hands dirty and you might not be handsomely paid, but it might be a necessary evil as a stepping stone to get to a level where you go, no, no, listen, I'm going to be a little bit more uh, uh, honourable here to my own qualities and I'm going to ask for this. If I don't get it, I might have to make a difficult decision and, and be a bit more choice elsewhere. Those opportunities are absolutely there mm. and you can engineer more money for yourself. Um, but uh, there's, a, there's a time and a place for being a little bit tenacious with that and there's, a, there's a definitely a time and a place for being strategic about how you're going to engineer that. It's a, it's a massive one. Um, and one thing that you mentioned, or two things you mentioned, number one is negotiating. So you're going to need to negotiate. Every single person in the world should learn about sales. They should learn about sales and negotiating because you're selling yourself, you're selling an idea, you're selling a product, you're selling everything, you're selling. You're, your whole life you'll spend selling. The second thing would be, oh, I lost my train of thought then. So if sales was the first thing the yeah you mentioned knowing your value you you've got to know your value you also need to know this is the second thing uh to know what you spend your money on so be wiser with your money and how to use your money to, to work for you my first job was 11 grand eleven thousand. i then did extra work to make that eleven thousand more but how i used that 11 grand sprung give me a springboard to do I, my next job was 18 grand and then it just goes up and down, up and down throughout your entire career. But understand that it's a stepping stone. Everything you do is laying a foundation brick for you to have a higher salary at some point in your career and understand that that's what you're doing and don't chase a thousand pound extra here or there. Play a longer game by mapping out your pathway, periodizing your career, understanding that you're making decisions for the right reasons based off one of those Fs that you're focusing on at that particular juncture, or take a, a much more rounded approach to it. And just as the background you've got behind you, put, put another brick in the wall and make sure that you have those foundations laid in place with solid financial education. And so not you might be earning terrible money, but at least you're being smart with the money you do earn. At least you're creating opportunities for that money to grow or for your um, potential for you to increase that salary in the future. So it's that self-awareness and education for me. Brilliant. Well, that's one thing, a, I, one sorry, thing I, sorry, just really, really quickly. One thing I would throw on top of that because it's, it's a resource that helped me uh, time and time again, and it's been a huge part of my philosophy since reading it, was um, uh, a text, I think I've mentioned this everywhere, everywhere I go actually at the moment, but called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You don't have to be a father. I'm literally uh, reading it now. Right, okay. So <laughs> you know exactly what's going to come. Um, you don't need to be a parent to pick this thing up. It, it is just challenging your consensus, experience and knowledge around money and how to not just manage money, but how to make money. And you know, most of us, uh, it's drilled into us, it certainly was through me and my primitive education of go and get the best education you can, go and get the best paid job that you can. Um, and then that will allow you to go and buy liabilities such as a nice car, uh, holidays, homes, et cetera, et cetera. But you're just sinking money into, into, into uh, liabilities so that you go, oh, I, want, I want a bit more money, a bit more surplus 
revenue. I'll go and get a bigger job, go and get that next best job, which is maybe only five grand a year more, but great, I've got more money to spend. And you just end up kind of chasing this um, activity of earn more and spend more. Yeah. One of the things that the, the book really promotes as a resource, and I, I promote it personally a lot now, is he's been really, really smart about where your earning potential is coming from. And they split it into quadrants, right? Typically, we're very comfortable of earning time for money, which is your employment. But if that's your only means of earning, you are at risk because as soon as you get shit can, Josh talks about, um, or there is uh, an unforeseen circumstance, you're struggling to be able to afford and get get through the problem. Um, so trying to be a bit more forward thinking about how you're earning some money passively, if at all, through products or programs on the side that maybe you've written already for some of your team programs or athletes. Um, are you, if possible, thinking about investing? If you're not, you probably should. You don't need to be a mastermind, but you just need to ask around and take advice from people that have done the things that you're thinking about and, and, and follow those examples, if not a little bit, you know, crudely first and then look to, to develop that a bit more. Uh, and then assets. Can you put your money into assets if at all possible as well? And just think about spreading your risk. And like Josh talked about there, you'd be amazed what you can achieve if every single pay packet you get, try to um, use that asset. Look at it upon as an asset and think about how you're going to spend those coins to give you the most return at the end of the year to go. Now I am richer, not necessarily financially, but definitely from a professional level and now that's the springboard that's helped me go to X level. And that might be buying an asset that you need. It might be online programming. It might be um, not using your iPhone, but buying a high-spec camera to do some online filming for your social media. Whatever it is, you can definitely engineer the steps, but be, be a master at, at, at creating wealth and not just, not just spending your hard-earned money. Brilliant. Lads, have we got any final thoughts just to wrap things up? And then can you also give your your personal social medias, but then also where to get the product from as well, if one of you could do that? Josh, do you want to go first? Yeah, so I, I suppose I, I close out by saying you a lot of people will be defining themselves by their job at the moment, but you're more than just a performance practitioner. There, there, there is a bang coming which will potentially lead you to burnout, potentially lead you down pathways, physically, mentally, emotionally, you don't want to go down. And there's a lot of coaches with 10 plus years experience who have been, who have had these bangs take place. It doesn't have to be like that. You can take control of your own pathway. And this is one of the methods you can do to, to achieve that. So in terms of finding out a little bit more about what I do, my company's called Career Blueprint. You can find me on Instagram, uh, which is at Career Blueprint. Twitter, at Coach Blueprint 1. Career Blueprint was taken by somebody. I still haven't found out who they are. Website is yourcareer-blueprint.com. And that's pretty much where I, uh, where I hang out. Well, what about you, John? Not much more to add than what Josh is talking about, um, to be honest, in terms of uh, additional stuff there. But... Um, I think more than anything, if you're someone who is at a crossroads and or thinking about, you know, um, scaling your career or, uh, or pivoting from where you are to try and seek brighter passages for your future, then just reach out to us as well and have a conversation. Um, we're more than willing to do that. And uh, uh, I think you learn masses, don't you, as individuals doing that again and again and continue retracing your own steps. Um, in terms of the work that, so where I'm doing it is noonanperformance.com and uh, social media handles of John Noonan Coach as well. And where do they get the product from? Are they both on, on the websites, on both websites, sorry? Yeah. 
exactly, Brilliant. mate. Yeah, you can you can find more about it there. We'll pour sellers out with Josh. Yeah, you can find more about the products on the on the websites as well. Yeah. Brilliant. There's some absolute gold in this, and I'm not just saying this because you're on, but I've seen I've seen the products, and I think it's it's crucial to get out to as many coaches as possible. So everyone listening, go and get it because there's some serious um, good information. And if anything, it, it really is going to make you reflect and, and ask some questions on your values and where you want to go and where you are currently. So lads, keep up the great work. It was great to catch up and thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having us, Ben. Pleasure. Thanks, mate. Great to chat. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of people feeling the benefit of this episode. I think it's a really, really important I was going to say topic, but we covered a number of different topics. But in terms of career decisions and um, determining your values, I think these are really, really important discussions to have. Um, Maybe something that you've not thought about. So um, obviously I've said it and had the lads on the podcast, so I know the value in the product that they've created. But honestly, honestly would go and check it out because there's great, great value in it. And we're not just... You're not just picking a product out random off the internet. These guys have been through it. Um, they've worked at the top of top of elite sport and, and continue to do so. And they're talking from a lot of experience as well. So learn from their experiences. And regardless whether what sort of stage you're at within your career, their products can help you. So go and check it out. Um, give both of the lads a follow. So John Noonan Coach over on Twitter and Instagram. Coach Blueprint 1. Um, is Josh's over on Twitter and Jay Fletcher underscore performance over on Instagram. So go and check them out um, and keep up to date with what they've got going on. In terms of takeaways for me, one of the things that jumps out, I think Josh said it towards the end of the podcast, was learning about sales. And I remember someone saying to this, like when I was when I was working in football and um, I, it doesn't relate. Like we're not salesmen, but we, we've, working with players, we're working as sports scientists, S&C coaches, but when you start to look at the techniques that salesmen and good salesmen um, have and use, we, we are salesmen. We're selling programs to players, not necessarily financially, but we're trying to get, develop buy-in. We're talking to coaches and trying to do the same sort of thing. And it's a really, really important skill to try and learn. So it's definitely worth researching. Um Loads of other takeaways in terms of thriving as a parent practitioner. I'm really interested to see what Josh has got coming out on that side of things. Obviously, being a parent myself, and even if you're not currently, I think that's a important factor that might come across later on in your career. Um, is your career your identity? I wrote down as a question. And I think a lot of people will say yes, and John touched on this really nicely, that we need to relate back to our values. We need to determine our values and be relate back to our values. And when the, the whole shit cannon comes up, which Josh touched on, um, which is going to come across in one way, shape or another at some point in our careers, unfortunately, but fortunately at the same time, I think, um, we can relate back to our values rather than rather than just thinking our identity is the club that we're at or the role that we're in or whatever. And then... Another thing I wrote down was being unhinged by questions, which I think John mentioned as well. And I think they're the important, I know John does some mentoring, and I think that's the important side of a mentor. When mentors ask you these questions that make you a little bit uncomfortable, I think they're the important ones because they do make you reflect on what you're doing and and possibly some changes that you need to make as well. So 
I think I honestly think there's so much value in this podcast and there's some great work being done by both the lads, both individually, but also together. So go and check out their work. I'll post all the links in the show notes as well. So you can go and check out the resources they've got out there and keep an eye out because I know they've got some stuff, other stuff coming out as well. But as always, huge thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting it. I've had some great comments over the last few weeks of people saying about the great caliber of guests and all the rest of it. And I really appreciate everyone's comments. If you do have any recommendations on guests, we've got a few lined up, but if there is anyone that sort of jumps out, um, don't hesitate, drop me a message on social media at FootballFitFed or on email as well, mail at FootballFitFed.com and I'd love to hear who you want to hear on the podcast. So again, thank you for listening, hope you have a great week and I'll speak to you again in episode 185.